Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the frustration and fear edition. This week, we're explaining why East Palestine residents continue to question whether their water is safe, what's on the priority list for House Republicans, whether Ohio might have a candidate for U.S. president in 2024, and the difference in what Ohio's kids are learning when it comes to sex education. Joining me this week is State House Bureau Chief Anthony Shoemaker. Hey, Anna, how are you? Good. I had cookie deliveries today, so that's always good. So, Yeah, I know. When your Girl Scout cookies come in. By the way, if you want to order, still not too late. Just saying. Yeah. So uh, before we get started, I just want to make a quick personal pitch that if you find OAP to be interesting, informative, or helpful, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Our first topic is the train derailment in East Palestine. Residents got to go home, but many of them aren't convinced that their air, their land, and even their water are safe. Ohio EPA and U.S. EPA say they've been monitoring the situation and they think everything is okay. But as we heard at a town hall meeting last night, some residents aren't convinced. Yeah. And, you know, you're hearing all kinds of of stories, you know, and there's so much misinformation out there. People are confused. Uh, The EPA administrator, Michael Regan, is supposed to be there today. Senator Brown, Senator Vance are going to be there today. And it's a federal disaster now or... But, uh, DeWine has asked for yes. federal help. I don't yes. think it's being declared a disaster area yet. He's getting some help, help from the Department of Health. And the Center for Disease Control is there, which, you know, that probably makes people nervous. You know, I mean, you just. Yeah. And what are they doing? What are they finding? Well, I think it's it's a lot of science and there's an information gap between people and the experts. And I think sometimes that fosters wariness. Like my analogy is, you know, when you go to get your car repaired, if you don't know a lot about vehicles, you're kind of trusting them, right? That they're being honest with you about what your car does and doesn't need, right? Because like, right. I'm like, I need a new piston. Yeah, of course, right? Like I, I don't know enough about cars to be able to to say whether that's true or not. And I feel like that's true when it comes to organic chemistry. Like, <laughs> I don't know enough about VOCs to say whether the way that smoke burned was sufficient to keep vinyl chloride out of my groundwater. Right. But the people of East Palestine, you know, are concerned. I mean, you know. Rightfully so, I would be. You don't see something like this. I mean, you yeah. look at the photos. It looked like a small nuclear bomb went off. Yeah, there. for sure. You know, you had a, you had a, a. It still smells, and but they say it's safe, even though it might still smell. You know, and you've had people talk about their their pets dying. You've had people talk about headaches. You had a, a little boy at the town hall yet last night asked, "Is it safe to play outside?" You know, people are going to have these concerns, and um, you know, the, the the government's going to test the water and and make sure things are as safe as they can be. But you know, people are skeptic. Yeah, and I mean, until and if you have well water, they say until your well gets tested, you should use bottled water and that like to me okay that's fine to drink but i'm like what if i need to shower is it safe to shower but not to drink yeah governor dewine the other day said you know he felt if he lived someone asked him if he lived there what he would do and he said he would go home but he would use bottled water yeah and also before we move on to our next topic attorney general dave yost this week dropped the charges against the journalist who was arrested last week at a press conference yeah, the um, who's it? News Nation. Is that yeah, where he was from yeah, Washington-based uh, reporter was uh, was arrested by local police in in East Palestine, and those charges were dropped. Yeah, our second topic is sex education. Our bureau did a deep dive this week into what Ohio's children are and aren't learning when it comes to sex education, and it it really runs the gambit. Yeah, it's really fascinating that there's really no state standard for 
for health education in Ohio. And, uh, you know, how do you, how do you put it this way? I mean, you have the whole story about like the 10 year old rape victim, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have parents out there that, you know, have concerns about, you know, if my, what happens if my kid gets pregnant, you know, Mm-hmm. What are they learning? What are they learning about sex education in schools? And it it looks like from your, your from your report, it's all over the place. Yeah, you have everything from the CDC and Planned Parenthood materials on one side to faith based merit, you know, abstinence focused teaching on the opposite side. So, I mean, kids. Some kids are learning about uh, contraceptives. Some kids are not. Some kids are learning about, you know, LGBTQ relationships. Other kids are not. You know, some kids are learning that, you know, sex before marriage is damaging to the children born out of wedlock, while other kids are not. And it's it's really fascinating to see how different it is, because we always talk about in education how we don't want to educate by zip code. But that is sort of exactly what's happening here. But at the same time, there are some parents and people I talked to who said, I'm going to be the one to teach my kid about sex, not the school. Right. But I think, you know, and you probably know this better since you have children, but children are going to learn from other kids and oh, pop yeah. culture and the <laughs> Internet and everywhere else before they ever learn from their parents or school, probably, you know, and there's so much misinformation out there about about stuff. And, and it, it's just weird that this is the one area that there's no consensus across the state. Yeah. And, kids. and I should be clear that health education isn't just sex education, but. Right. It's about smoking. It's about healthy eating habits. It's about, you know, drug use. And a lot of that there isn't state standardization on either because even if you, like Stephanie Kunze, a Republican, has tried to run a bill that would preclude sex education but deal with all the other kinds of health education, and that's never gotten off the ground either. Yeah, and the other thing your report shows, though, is like one out of six uh, school districts aren't reporting what they're supposed to report about teaching. Yeah, So last year was the very first time they did this survey and they just said, what are you teaching? What vendors, what outside vendors, what outside materials? And uh, yeah, about 100 districts just didn't respond to the survey. Now, some of them have come home since the deadline passed and they have filled out their forms, but about 30 were noncompliant because of what they were teaching. About 100 were noncompliant because they didn't respond. And about like 400-ish, 478, I think is the specific number, were compliant based on what they're teaching. And if you're really curious about your own district, you can go to our website, you can find the story, and we have a searchable database. So you can snoop on your district, you can snoop on neighboring districts, you know, creep all you want. Our third topic is House Republicans. And instead of talking about the ongoing dispute over how Jason Stevens became speaker, this week we're talking about policy. 12 policies to be specific. Speaker Stevens says that the first 12 bills introduced this week are his party's priorities, and he divided them into three different buckets, economy, family, and education. Yeah, and you know, the the House Bill 1, which, you know, I think is going to get a lot of attention, this whole idea of flattening Ohio's income tax to a single rate, you know, what's that going to mean for local jurisdictions and local schools? Okay. If money is taken away from them. So this is a little complicated to wrap my head around, and I'm actually going to say that the Republican who is sponsoring it, Adam Matthews, walked me through it twice (laughs) yesterday. So shout out to him for walking me through it twice. But um, basically, in 1983, uh, we raised the income tax. And when we did that to soften the blow, we took part of people's income tax and used it to cover their property tax. So it's called a rollback. And so what they're going to do is they're going to eliminate that. And that's going to save about $1.2 billion a year. Now you're thinking, Oh, and that'll cover their their tax cut, right? Dropping us down to a single rate of 2.75 for like everybody. You'll pay nothing on like the first 26K that you earn, but then you'll pay 2.75 on the next 
100 grand or 100 million, doesn't matter, same rate. Um, but you may think, okay, my my income tax are going down, but then that means my property tax are going up, right? Because you're no longer covering that 10%. No, they're lowering that too. And the impact of that means that what the state was covering of your property tax bill is essentially going away. So that's less for like libraries, schools, public parks, police, fire. And, you know, Matthews, the representative, again, who's sponsoring this said that the legislation says that, you know, there could be some impacts and they're going to try and soften that blow during the transition, but also that like your school district can seek a levy to bring that back up. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see after this takes effect, if, if there's more school levies and police levies and other kind of levies on the balance. Yeah. Cause I mean, when, so you don't actually pay taxes on like the full value of your house, you pay it on 35% of the value of your house right now, this will drop it down to 31. So, right. So what you're actually paying for all these different levies, that millage stuff that gets really complicated, it actually just drops because the total taxable value in whatever district it is, drops. And then, you know, the family bills, these are like your culture bills. This is where we're going to see there was a bill that was introduced um, that would ban transgender girls from playing on female sports teams in both high school and college. And then the education bills deal with things like teacher retention, like helping them pay down student loans and focusing on career readiness, which kind of dovetails with like the Senate's plan to overhaul like public education and really focus on the like, career technical institutes. Yeah, I mean, the, the transgender bill got a lot of attention, uh, you know, when it last came time up before, around, yeah. um, but it didn't include colleges last time. It colleges did originally, taken out. and then they took it out, and now it's back in. And what, you know, the big question that people have is, is there any kind of verification method in this, right? There was a lot of pushback to this idea that a doctor would have to, you know, basically look at the genitals of a child to verify whether they were a boy or a girl. And that got a lot of controversy. That got stripped out. This time around, there's no verification method in the bill, but there is a private right of action, which is a fancy word for lawsuit. Right. So if you and I have kids on a team and you think that my daughter is transgender, you can sue and say that school had an unfair advantage for having a transgender girl on the middle school basketball team. Now the question becomes like, what does the school do? Like, especially if me as the parent is like, you're not looking down my kid's pants. Like, I, I don't know what happens in the event of a lawsuit and what a judge could or couldn't compel. I'm still trying to figure that right. out. And how is it going to work at the college level where you're pl playing um, teams from out of state? I mean, if you file a complaint against a kid in Michigan, for example, you know. I don't How are know. they going to enforce that? I don't know. Those are some good questions. And I think we'll Democrats are obviously it. against that. Yes. And our fourth and final topic is a man whose name I really hope I don't mispronounce. Vivek Ramaswamy. He's a Republican from Butler County, and he now lives in Columbus. And it looks like he may try to run for president. And if you've never heard of Vivek, here's a couple of quick details. He calls himself the anti-woke CEO and wrote a New York Times bestseller called Woke Inc. Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam. He's the son of Indian immigrants, a regular contributor on Fox News, and he is backed by PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel. And if that sounds familiar, it's because he helped bankroll now U.S. Senator J.D. Vance. Yeah, there was uh, some speculation, um, you know, that he was going to run for Portman seat when Portman mm. left, but uh, he decided, no, president's the job that he wants. So uh, that's what he's he's going for. Uh, his name came up again as a potential challenger for Sherrod Brown as well. Yeah, he's sort of leapfrogging off over Just that go for Senate. The big job, yeah. I guess, right? yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's 37 years old, so he's, you know, pretty young to run Barely for legal to run for president. Is it 35 or 36? 35. Okay. Anthony is our presidential trivia expert, <laughs> so he knew better than me. But yeah, so he's 
he is also, he's got a ton of money and he's going to Iowa and he says he's seriously considering it. So, I mean, the thing that kind of freaks me out is we'll have our first RNC debates in like August. Right. So if he's getting in, he's probably getting in soon. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's a, he's an unknown candidate. He's got a, him and Nikki Haley will have two Indian Americans running. Yeah. You have, you have big, you have big names, uh, you know, like Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis probably getting in the race. So, you know, how he's going to factor in, it will be interesting to see. And one more. But he'll get some name idea. Yeah, for sure. Maybe for, no, because the U.S. Senate race will run at the same time. So I guess that doesn't work out. Well, it depends on when he gets in or gets out if he decided he did want to go against Sherrod Brown. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he's just all in for president. Probably. Point. And one more thing before you go. The two different groups thinking about putting the question of abortion access on the ballot have decided to work together, and they've decided to go in 2023. They say they're united in purpose and by the belief that doing it in 2023 is A, a moral imperative, and B, offers their best prospect for success. Yeah, and they're talking about uh, releasing the ballot language for that as early as next week, so we'll get an idea of what what's actually going to be on the ballot for people to, to vote on in November. And that's going to be critical because I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I think uh, there is definitely a form of abortion access that can pass in Ohio, but I don't think all forms of abortion access can pass in Ohio. And what these groups come up with, what lines they set is, is going to make or break the success of this. Yeah, they say that the language is going to be simple and modeled off of what recently passed in Michigan, uh, the constitutional amendment there was approved by 57% of voters, and it was pretty basic. It just kind of said every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom. So, you know, it's when you get into the numbers is where uh, the details that, you know, how far are Ohioans willing to go when you, you know, so the wording is very important. Yeah, and we'll find out possibly next week. Till then, we'll eat girls' coffee. Yeah. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Fremont News Messenger. That's thenews-messenger.com.